Hey, this is Aaron. And Melissa. And we're Trending Spokane, a weekly podcast all about the latest in the Lilac City. Finding out what is happening right now in Spokane can be overwhelming, but not if you're an insider. Join us as we shine light onto the latest happenings and chat about the future of our city. Each episode will introduce you to people you want to know, places you need to visit, and local knowledge you can't live without. We will help you get out and get involved. Episodes are dropping soon, and make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts now. We are happy to welcome Stephanie Courtney, the Executive Director and CEO of The Learning Project, to the podcast today. (laughs) She is an incredible member of our community and has her Master's in Arts and Education from Ashford University and is a proud Rogers High School grad from right here in Spokane. Yes. Pirates! Yes. (laughs) Kind of a grad, but not really. I actually was at Rogers for two years, and then I moved to New Jersey, where I graduated from um, Mom. Regional High School, but oh. I have I have purple and and gold running through my brain, my <laughs> my brain, my blood, my veins, all of it. So um, I'm a pirate at heart. So go pirates! Oh, and that. I'm a Whitworth graduate too. So go pirates twice. So. Oh hey, you're twice the pirate. I love that. And now she's planning a grassroots project awards ceremony, an event honoring community organizations that provide resources for Black families in Spokane. Today we get to talk to her about the Learning Project, this special event, and Black Babies Month, which is really important. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited about um, bringing these new platforms, conversations, and Awareness Month. Um, We know that um, Black children have one of the highest mortality rates. And it's the question of what are we going to do about this? How do we highlight the issues, the problems, um, and and how are we going to deal with it locally? Um, my business, The Learning Project, it is a health equity um educational resource training unicorn kind of thing. If I see something, I'm doing something about it. And I think that's where we need to get back to with our communities. When we see something wrong, we need to do something about it. When we find solutions for one group of people, we find solutions for everyone. Um, and so this month is an awareness month that we're taking on alongside of the Equity Coalition. Um, they have created a month where we just really highlight um, Black babies um, and their stories, their families, the leadership, um, the community leaders that are doing things about um, different issues. And a lot of times those voices are really, 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 really um, pushed down um, or they're not even heard at all. Um, and so this awareness um, event is called Grassroots. Um, and I want you to kind of put this image in your mind. I want you to think about a tree and I want you to think deep, deep, deep down um, below the dirt, below the rocks. You have these roots that go through all of these different places, but they're getting to that stream. They're going towards the water to bring forth life at the very top. And that's what we see. Um, there's so many people that are those roots. Um, and we, um, in our community, I feel like we are creating space for these spaces for people to come in and create, but we still have a long way to go y'all. And so with that being said, we are creating space for some of the most amazing people that I have done projects with. Um, some of them are um, Pastor Sean Davis, um, 
Jamie Stacy, um, April Everett. Um, we have Oscar Harris. We have y'all. There's a lot. Okay, I'm going down the list. Okay, we gonna get down the list. Okay. Um, we also have. Um, let me get here. Get in here. I'm getting my um, phone so I can make sure I don't miss anybody. Um, Mimi. We have. Um, Alethea, we have Kira Bauer, we have Natalie Wall, we have Luke Jasmine, y'all know Luke. Um, <laughs> then we have Chauncey Jones, we have Dr. Roberta Wilburn, um, we have Jack Archer, y'all, listen, Natasha Hill's on the list as well. Oh, um, yeah. Dr. Richardson and also Michael Moody. Listen, these people are coming from so many different um, spectrums. They are in the educational field. They have created health and wellness spaces. They are also focused on hair care, such as Mimi, you guys, the sanctuary and wellness space. Amazing. Um, she actually is creating um New programs at the Carl Maxey Center where she is inviting people to learn about hair care through the African-American lens. There's so many families that we have that are multicultural and they're like, I don't know how to do my child's hair. I don't know what to do. So she's been setting up these um, events like once a month and people are just blowing them up. They're absolutely amazing. And she's really focusing on how do you teach self-love in a whole different way. Um, and so that is just a little piece. But what is so special about this event? Um, not only are we um, going to have these awards going on? We're going to have the Rogers step team. I know. I know. So long story short, the step teams at Rogers, NC, Shadle, they used to be around a lot. Um, they all died out. They have not had a step team at Rogers for about eight years. And I was pregnant with my daughter. And I was like, man, I really want to um, get this started again. Let me put out some feelers and see if somebody can help us. No one said anything. So I was like, okay, after I had my baby, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go do this. I don't know if I can or not. But ended up going back and I just fell in love with all of these kids. Um, and so my initiative right now is to set up a step team at each school so that we can, one, empower ourselves through movement, but also movement releases trauma. It releases stress. And we need to teach our, the, the new generation how to do that, you know? Um, anyways. Y'all got to come and see it. You're going to love it. We're hoping to also have NC Step Team. This will be their first time ever stepping. Uh, we're going to have the Latrice experience. If you guys have not heard of Latrice Williams, you need to go check her out. She will blow your mind. She connects with your soul, your spirit. So she is partnering with me on this. Um, and most importantly, we've had a lot of great partners. Um, the Carl Maxey Center, um, EWU, Africana Studies, um, Raise Development. I want to thank you guys so much. So, so, so very much for um, being a part of this and continually showing up for me to do these projects and um, to to give our community something new and different. Um, and if you are interested in um, funding any of the grassroots projects that you hear about at this event, or if you're like, you know what, we just want to give some funding and um, we definitely feel free to uh, share that with the people that were nominated. I would love to be able to do that. We have so many great people that are doing great stuff and we want to support their program. So, yeah. Yeah. And with families, what bigger impact can you make than helping children to achieve everything that is set before them to do? Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. In order to have strong families in our community, we have to have leaders to lead them out. Yes. Um, 
a really cool um, event that I just went to was with um, Launch Northwest. They actually did um, these uh, boards that focus on the educational system here in Spokane, y'all. And they actually showed that there was a huge gap in teachers of color here in our community. Um, a lot of kids are not even able to see a teacher of color until they get into college that let that sit for a second. Like you're not seeing a teacher of color until you go to college. How do we change that? What do we need to do? Um, that is really important, not only for the the person of color who is going through the educational system, but also the person who is not a person of color going through the system. If you don't have, um, I just wanted to take you guys back. Remember when like the educational system was only taught by men? Yes. Oh, how did that impact us? Right. We needed to see strong women in the in the front so that we could have those doctors and nurses and astronauts and different things like that. If we don't see good representation of all different types of people, we are we're we're really um, creating a huge gap for somebody that may not feel like they are seen, heard or um, valued in the community. And as a teacher, when I taught in a Title I school, that was a really difficult sixth greatest rated challenge school in the Spokane area. Yeah. Um, we, I don't remember any teachers of color. Mm-hmm. There were a couple custodial staff, um, a teacher's aide and kids flocked to them like yeah. no other because they needed that kind of experience. And a lot of the conversations that we had outside of the classroom about our kids were not informed by backgrounds that could help and support them adequately with what they were dealing with. Exactly. And you're seeing this, you know, up close and personal with so many of the children that you work with and the families that you're working with where they feel disenfranchised and not a part of that conversation in a way that's respectful mm-hmm. of their life experiences and their beliefs. And so more power to all of the work that you're doing to lift families out of that place and give them a voice. Thank you. And I think the biggest thing, too, is when you see that your community is celebrating you, mm. how wonderful is it to know that your work matters? And I think that's something that I've heard continually from a lot of people of color. They're like, my work doesn't matter. Oh. My work doesn't survive here in Spokane. Um, Over the pandemic, there was a statistic that went out that said that 40% of black owned businesses failed and well, not even failed. They closed down due to the pandemic. And I know everybody was impacted by that. Right. But people of color were really impacted by that um, and weren't offered or granted certain grants and opportunities to um, be able to keep their businesses going. Um, I know here in our city, a lot of different businesses closed that were ran by people of color and they did not get um, some of those opportunities. And that might be for a very reasons, right? Like there, there might be um, a lack of communication. Maybe there was some financial stuff going on, but whatever it was, it's impacting our community and we're trying to build a more inclusive city. And how do we do that? As we have to start with celebrating, supporting and embracing people who are making um, these new leeways in our community. Well, I think we both agree, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, but I'm guessing that Melissa will be totally on board with this. We would love to put all of the winners in an article in the magazine. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I would love that. They okay. Yes, you guys are getting me pumped up now. I am okay. So anybody who watch, listens to my podcast, I'm always like, yes, all right. And like I'm trying to keep myself together right now. That would be phenomenal. Um, because their work deserves to be seen and heard. Um, one of the um 
one of the people that we're going to be highlighting is Swag, um, and that's by um, Jamie. And I think you should, has she been in your, your? She hasn't yet. Oh and my I gosh. can't wait. That's yeah, going to be a yeah, fun one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Swag is doing some amazing things. It stands for Strong Women Achieving Greatness, and she's working with the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like there's so many amazing programs that are. Um, out here and we just don't know about them. And so when we don't know about them or we don't see them, we don't utilize them and they can really fill a huge gap. And a lot of the families that have been connected to some of these programs um, have really opened up huge opportunities for them um, to grow as a family and really save their children's lives. And it's a real personal connection that they're forming. It's real people in our community who see, you know, all of these opportunities for people to come together and support one another. And they're making that work boots on the ground and really, truly care. Yes. It's this this ending of all the events that I've done. This one's probably the one that I will always remember because it's something when you can share with somebody what somebody else is doing um, and then celebrate them for doing that. It's a form of self-love. And um, if we can love one another a little bit more in some of the hardest times, um, some of these people are educators and they're dealing with a lot of stuff at these schools with these kids, dealing with depression, anxiety, um, even within the black community this year has been the highest year for black suicide um that has never been um and so we are really asking ourselves how do we bring hope to so many people that are in spaces where it seems hopeless or you know um they're fighting against systems that make no sense whatsoever or and and are designed to keep you oppressed and you know no one in this community um has impacted us as much as the loss of Sandy Williams. Yes. And the last time that you and I got together, speaking yep. of, you know, tragedies that yep. have impacted our community, it was on the day that we got news about Sandy. Yep. And we sat and healed a little bit together, talked yep. about next steps. And for us, um, we want to connect our community, um, people who are listening to this podcast, people on our social media, yeah. with the resources that you have the knowledge about and yeah. get to share about. And I have found that one of the quickest pathways to healing, and it's never quick, but it is the quickest, is by being able to connect with other people yes. who are sharing those similar experiences. Mm-hmm. So we are so grateful for you sharing that knowledge with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. And one of the most ironic things, and it's not even ironic, this is like a moment for me. So we were connected by Sandy, and she had already passed. And I looked on my... um my email and it said I had this meeting with you and I, I didn't share this part with you. So I was like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's kind of exciting too. But I was like, who, who am I supposed to meet with? And I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let me look into this. And so I'm looking through my emails and I'm like, Sandy set this up. And for me, my work, for those that don't know part of what we do, we have different initiatives around, um, motherhood, community, children, um, and families. And um, one of my initiatives that I'm working on right now is Girl Get a Doula. I'm wearing my shirt, 1881 House Bill, um, led by a surge over in Seattle, you guys. Um, and Jazzy B, I have to give a shout out, one of the best, amazing leaders in the doula world. Um, and I went to Sandy and I was like, Sandy, I was like, I really want to focus on Black maternal health because 
it is a real thing. Um, I was almost a victim of something really serious. Um, I ended up having an infection after I had my baby and um, could have died, but I did not get as bad as what other people have got because I had a doula, uh, which is a whole nother side story, y'all. But the point that I'm making is I had told Sandy, I was like, I don't know if I could actually carry out this business here. I I don't know if I have to move. I don't think it's going to work. And she looked at me and she goes, don't you ever be ashamed of being black. And if this is the work that you're being called to do, then you do it. And I'll support you. And she actually funded my very first black maternal art exhibit, which was um, supported by other doulas. So doulas around the country and locally um, gave their pictures of um, their their um, clients birthing story, uh, birthing stories, but also people who wanted to share their birthing stories also um, submitted pictures as well and have supported the art exhibit. And um, that was part of uh, black maternal health week. And she funded that for the very first time. She does a lot. Of, I'm noticing she did a lot of stuff in silence. She really didn't need all the like, Hey, you did this. She did not care about that. And I was like that kind of level of bossing, like that's where I want to be. And so when we met, like I was just like, she knew I did podcasting. She knew that I did all of this stuff. And I was just like, I don't think I'll ever be able to really move this anywhere. I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing because I love it. But then when I saw what you were doing, it was so inspirational. And I was just at all of you. And you have such a genuine spirit. And I just felt very connected with you. So when we had that moment, it was so genuine and it was like right on point. And it's what I needed because I had such a hard time expressing why I was so upset when she had passed away. Man, you and me both, you know, a lot of people did these beautiful, you know, posts on social media and any interactions that I had had with Sandy were very much in the periphery. Yeah. Um, and I can't even remember like the first time I met her and sat next to her, it was at an event that Kiantha was speaking at and mm-hmm. we were there to support her and we sat right next to each other. Um, and I was just in awe of her presence and her passion. and yeah. But she was a very quiet supporter, like you say. Yeah. Just always in the background, making sure that everyone felt like they mattered, yep. like um, the work that they were doing was important yep. and to encourage them to keep pushing forward when they didn't believe in themselves. And yep. I watched her do it with so many people. Um, and that's the kind of leaders that we aspire to be, you know, to mm-hmm. give people a platform like you who mm-hmm. are doing this amazing work mm-hmm. every single day. Thank you so much. Yeah, that grind is not, yeah. Not easy. And it, we see you. Yeah. Thank you. I received that. I've been saying that a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I got my first sleeve, y'all. Like, ah, it's my so sleeve. Sick. It's a small tattoo, y'all. <laughs> it's literally like a size of a dime. It feel like uh, it's a heart. And I decided to get that heart is focused on self-love. And so when someone says something like really um, thoughtful or kind, I've been saying I receive that um, because so many times we're like, oh, no, 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 no. But really, that person's giving us something. And so I'm working on that. So if you hear me say I receive that, that's why I'm saying that. So <laughs> I love that. Well, you do have quite a lot going on, too. So for our audience who's not very familiar with your work, you have at least three things that I can count. You have the learning project, grassroots learning, and then you have the doula. Yes. So what are you working on the most right now? Oh my gosh, (laughs) everything. How did you get started with, I think the learning project was your first? Yes, this is my baby. Um, The learning project network was birthed out of early childhood education. Um, A lot of my teachers were having horrible training. Um, It was cookie cutter and 
it was all check based. Um, and then we would get into the classrooms and kids would be dealing with foster care or divorce or um, social emotional issues, mental health issues. And I'm like, OK, when are we going to start doing trainings around this? And so I became a Washington State Stars trainer. And then I started creating a whole bunch of different trainings. And um, I'm so excited to say that I've trained over 6,000 um, early learning, early learning professionals. And um, I'm continuing to do that. I'm going to be actually launching a new um, platform that's focusing on coaching, um, education and connection. Um, my approach to anything I do is project based learning. Um, it's really important for us to look at a driving question and then solve a problem. That is what we need. We need more people that are taking action in these areas. And early childhood education, we talk a lot about mental health. That's the reason why the turnovers are high. Um, we talk about, um, you know, not getting paid enough. That's why the turnovers are so high. But the one thing that we're not talking about is why are we not finding training that is really touching the heart, the mind and the soul? Anybody who does early childhood, who works within early childhood education, you're definitely not there for the money. It's there. You're there for the purpose, purpose, the passion, um, the fire. Um, but it's really hard when you're not getting the right support systems and you're not getting um, diverse training um, and also seeing trainers that look like you. Um, some of my educators are like, you are the first person of color that I've seen that is an early childhood educational trainer um, in Washington State. They just did a um, they made a big move um, with one of the first trainings that early childhood educators are required to take. Um, which impacted my business. So I said, okay, I need to kind of change things up. So now we're going to be doing an equitable approach. And that's always been um, a thing of mine. Early childhood educators have to pay for their own training. They have to pay for their own CPR stuff, everything when they're coming into the field. So what I wanted to do was to create a subscription for um, centers. And so it's like $250 and you get unlimited training for six months. So it doesn't matter how many teachers you have. They'll have this access to this training because they're required to um, complete 10 hours a year and all of these different things. But it's just nice to know that if you have a teacher that's dealing with depression or they're dealing with a, a difficult family or they're trying to set up their centers and take it through a cultural based lens like how do you do that um that's where i come in and i kind of have a different style of teaching and i love it so um and a lot of teachers love that as well um i have another business called shades of motherhood that's where all of the doula work comes in yeah. so um i'm actually excited to announce this i don't think i've even announced this on my podcast series so um i just received um funding from empire health foundation to address a um crisis that's happening in our community um which is um a term that i created i don't know if i coined it or not but i keep saying it so if I, somebody else coined it let me know um it's called the doula desert project and basically we are looking at how many doulas of color are actually here in our community and how do we address that one we need to get more doulas of people of color um, training so they can become doulas. We need to create space, community, um, and action. Um, research shows that when a person has a doula of color um, alongside them during their birthing process or even their pregnancy, um, their chances of trauma, and let me phrase this, 
you're still going to go through trauma, right? There might be something that happens. But if you have somebody that walks you through that, your chances of depression, anxiety, psychosis, everything decreases big time. Um, and so a doula is a supports person. They do not do any medical birthing. Um, but let me tell you, when you're going through all that mental stuff and you're going through all those changes, you need somebody there that is going to absolutely support you um, and not only support you, but support your family. Yes. And so um, I have that project going on um, under the shades of motherhood. And I also do peer groups um, for mothers of color and mothers who have children of color. Um, And so we are going to be meeting right now. My first group rolls out on Wednesday, um, 6 p.m. And then we'll have one in the middle of the day. So it'll just be our postpartum day where we just work with people and, and do all this stuff. And last but not least, I have a, I work with step teams in the high, in the public school system. So, um, and we're just addressing like, how do we take uh, mental health approaches through movement? So I always um, do a ton of stuff. I am a, absolutely a project junkie, hence why it's called a learning project. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are too, you yeah. know, we have the social media, we have the oh, podcast, we have the magazine, yeah. so many things. And, um, we love getting to see someone so driven get to take things like that on. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell us what HB 1881 is? Yes. So this is a house bill that just got passed. Um, and a, a, a group of doulas in Seattle actually put this together. And um, basically, they petitioned that doulas actually be covered under Medicaid. A lot of times when we think of a doula, we think of it as a quote unquote, rich white woman thing. It's mm-hmm. it's not. Um, doulas have been around for decades since the beginning of time. Our grandmothers had basically people that were doulas. Um, you would call someone down the street to come when you had a baby. Um, and one of the things I always say is, I wonder what postpartum depression or um, different issues looked like back then. And what they actually found is like it was probably a lot lower um, because they had time to be nurtured. Um, anybody who is a strong woman or a strong birthing person, sometimes they will push against getting support or they don't want the support or they don't want the help. Having somebody that you can connect with and they walk you along that journey, it is something so beautiful. So Medicaid actually will be able to be covered under a doula. But um, we want to just not pay our doulas Medicaid because it's not very much money, right? We want to be able to figure out ways that we can really support them and create access for them to have livable wages to do their job. But also we we want this to be petitioned in some ways so that insurance can actually cover this. And that's what they need to do. It's it's one death is too many. The CDC says um, black women are three to four times more likely to die due to pregnancy related issues. 60% is preventable. Ooh. 60% y'all. That's just black women. That's just not looking at like the overall birthing community. That's not looking at the accidents or the incidents or the trauma that is imposed during pregnancy, right? Um, it's there's all of these different conversations that we need to have. Um, in my case, I dealt with infertility for over seven years, um, had such a hard time having my little one. Um, but finally ended up getting pregnant. Um, didn't realize that I needed a doula. Um, but when I'm actually going to go back a little bit, when I was dealing with my infertility, I found, I saw a friend of mine in a store 
and she was planning on being a doctor. Her name is Dominique Wallace. Shout out. Um, and she was like, oh, I am um, I'm a doula. And I was like, what is that? Do what? Like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I help people during their pregnancy and support them. I'm like, why would you need that? Like, get a get your grandparent, get your husband. Like, tell them to stop being lazy. Like, why would you do this? Um, but she explained to me that doulas don't just help with birth. They help with infertility. They help with loss, abortion. They help with um, postpartum care, adoption. Let's talk about that for a second. Nobody talks about that. Um, All of these different ways that you can actually use a doula in your life to help support you along the way. This is also going to help address some of the workforce crisis around doctors and nurses. It takes that pressure off of them because the support needs to be intimate. It needs to be at home. It needs to be environment. Um, And we're not talking about that part of uh, medical care. But anyways, I'm (laughs) not going to go down that rabbit hole. But um, so she tells me about doulas. I have my daughter. Um, I ended up getting a C-section after I did all this, this, you know, work to try to have her naturally and all this other stuff. Um, or I don't say naturally. I try to change it to vaginal birth. I know that's like a word that's like a whatever, but there's nothing, any birth is natural. Um, and so anyways, um, after I had my C-section, I ended up getting an infection. Um, I was so like caught on being perfect during my birthing experience. Um, my doula was checking on me every day and she was like, how is your head doing? How is, or she said, how are you doing? How's your body feeling? I'm like, fine, fine. I'm breastfeeding. I'm doing all these things. I'm cleaning up. And she's like, you're not allowed to do any of that. So if you need to stop and I'm like, I know, but I just have so many things to do. And so one day um, she asked me this specific question, how does your head feel? And I had had a headache for a week, did not say anything to anybody. I thought it was due to breastfeeding. And so I told her I had a headache and she was like, I need you to stop doing what you're doing. And I need you to go to the hospital right now. She had to convince me for almost 30 minutes, y'all, to get my butt up and go to the hospital. Um, When I got to the hospital, the nurse looked at me and she was like, you have an infection. She was like, you better be glad that you came because this could have got a lot worse. Um. I didn't understand what she meant until I was reading through a blog of another lady that had the same symptoms as me. And she's a black lady and um, she lived in Chicago. Um, and you can kind of listen to this on my podcast called Girl Get a Doula. Um, and it's under the learning project. But she um, told me that she had the same thing, but she had a headache for 14 days. She had her husband, her grandmother. This was not her first child. This was her fourth child. She ended up getting postpartum preeclampsia. She lost her ability to walk. She could not speak. She was like, I didn't even know like what was going on. And I told her I wanted her to be on the series, you know, girl, get a doula. And she was like, Stephanie, I'm not a doula, though. And I said, I know that. And she got so quiet. And she was like, are you telling me that? If I would have had a doula, that might have not happened to me. And I said, I absolutely believe that. If we can highlight stories and voices that correlate to 1881, that will drive our conversation and what we're doing even the more. No one should not be able to get support or even just a doula to come in and support them because of money. Um, And a doula should not have to choose to serve somebody because of the money they have to make to support their family and their business. And so, um, 
that is what 1881 is all about. Right now, it's um, it just passed, but there's still a lot of work to be done. This is probably not going to be something that you're going to see within the next year or two. But I will tell you this. Um, they're working hard to figure out what the how people are going to get paid. What are the, re, the the training requirements, all of that stuff. So I'm excited to see how they are going to un, how that's all going to unfold. But I definitely am supporting it um, and sharing it with other um, people. I feel like Serena Williams kind of also brought that whole yes. thing yes. to the forefront too. Yes. She was like, this could happen to me. And like, I had all of these, re- yeah. like literally resources yeah. all of us never would have. Yeah. Yeah. So, the yeah. crazy thing is, it's like they did a statistic where there was like, it doesn't matter if you're a black woman with a good education and a good family and lots of money. You, your chances of dying are still the same as a poor black woman, period. Like you, it just doesn't matter. You're black. You're going to have these issues. You need to know how to petition for yourself. And we're not even talking about, you know, our multicultural families, maybe white mothers that have children of color and they might be in situations with their child and they may not even think about it because it's not their experience. So, you know, our families look different. And so even though you may feel like a person may feel like this won't impact them, it absolutely will. And one person dying is too many, period. Yeah, I almost became that statistic. I yeah. had we had that in common the day yes. that we were talking, yes. where we had a similar birth injury. That is something that no human being should ever have to go through. No, and I'll never have a, you know a normal birth again if I mm-hmm. ever did decide to have more kids. Which no, well, I was like, <laughs> okay, what are you trying to say? Here? Gonna me. Um, but. That is incredible. And we want people to get connected with you. So how can they find you on the internet, in person, wherever Mm -hmm. it is you want them to find you? Okay. (laughs) So um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at TLP Talk. um, Or you can go to our website. It's tlpnetwork.org. And you'll find all of our links there. There's a link tree um, that is there and um, it will take you to our Shades of Motherhood Network. It will take you to our early learning um, platforms as well. And so you'll be able to dive into all the goodies and please share, share, share. You know we will. I can't wait <laughs> to you. dig into all of that. You have so many amazing resources. And now we have the end of our show, which is my favorite part sometimes because we get some really hilarious answers mm-hmm. and that's the fast five. I told you guys I would not forget Ooh, it this time. Did it. Last time <laughs> I did. I did. So, so I have – this is a big one. I Oof. hope you're ready for this question. I'm scared. I don't I know. know. Right? <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant in Spokane and why? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm so bad with food. Um, I'm like, whatever you want to eat. Um <laughs> So I tend to go to the safari room a lot. Mm. Um, and I really like, oh my goodness. So this, she, she's had, she's getting her restaurant right now, but um, Tay, Tavia, um, she does um, Mills, Tay's Mills, Tay's, Tay's, oh my goodness. Yes. yes. Um, Tavia's food is so good. I love eating it and it will be hosted at the Grassroots Project too. So um, yeah, so I definitely eat a lot of her food. So that will be one person. And also if it's desserts, my new dessert um, favorite is Devour Cakes. You guys, Millie is new. She is a military wife. She is 
killing the game when it comes to um, the cakes, desserts, everything. I just saw one of her cakes that yeah. she donated to something recently, and I was like, that is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Hey. Nice. I'm so excited Ooh. to get people connected with her. We're yeah. looking at it now on Facebook. And I'm you just will like, not be beautiful. disappointed, yeah. I'm telling you. She's in the Valley? She's actually on the Air Force Base. She oh, is a military yeah. wife, right. and she's just amazing. And gotcha. a mama three. She's amazing. Yeah. Got a shout out to my military wives. I yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, so the second question Yeah, is... second question. So I feel like this is kind of a gimme, but you can answer however you want. Mm-hmm. But what's your favorite event in the city? Like that oh, takes place once a year. This is so hard. Um, so I really enjoy, um, oh my goodness, Pig Out in the Park was, I like Pig Out in the Park because you just get to eat a whole bunch of food and you get to kind of like connect and all of that stuff so i really like pig out in the park um but my new one i think is going to be juneteenth um if you guys don't know about that juneteenth it was the day that african-americans were free that's our all of our independence day really um and um absolutely loved what they did this year they did a great job in um sharing um african-american culture and all of that good stuff and they had good food and yeah i couldn't complain it was good and the kids that I brought there, they stepped and they were like, they got in the car and they were like, that was so powerful. I'm just so glad we got to go. And there was lots of great booths and they had a lot of good stuff. So yeah, it's one of my favorites. Was Can't this the first year that they did it? No, they've done this a few years. Okay. Um, Michael Bethley actually is one of the co-founders of the event that they did this year. Um, and Peggy Trout, fun fact, um, she actually was a, one, of, one of the founders of Juneteenth here in Spokane. They used to have it at Bethel AME and um, they moved it to downtown because so many people wanted to be a part. And speaking of events, I do have a quick question for you. Are you going to yeah. be at the gala tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to actually be on the red carpet. I'm hosting. Yes! So Woo! I'll be checking everybody's outfits out and asking them what they're wearing. I just got my outfit, so I'm so excited because, you know, when you order something online, you don't know what you're going to get. But it came out right. I was like, okay, she in. I see you. <laughs> I'm so excited to see you there tomorrow. We're media sponsors for the event. Wonderful. So, yeah, we get to have some fun. I didn't fun know there was a red carpet. Now I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. You'll be fine. Oh, you're gonna go. You know, she's working. always I'll cute. Just, like, walk the back. I'll be, like, like, hey, the what are you doing? <laughs> so, favorite movie? Uh, y'all are asking some hard questions. Know, really okay, so there, there are a couple of um, movies that are my favorite, but um, two of them are Crooklyn and uh, The Color Purple. Those are my mm. two favorite movies. Um, we call them um, purple colorisms, which are like we take lines and we say them all the time um, <laughs> because it just feels right. And then Crooklyn's about a little girl that grows up in Brooklyn and she's just, her name is Troy and she just has this experience that I just love it. It's such a good uh, movie and I think it encompasses black families really well. So I would watch that for hours and hours and hours. And it wasn't because I did didn't have cable, but I just really liked it. So. <laughs> so sweet. I love that. Um, okay, so my question for you is favorite beverage. It can be like mm, anything. Like, oh my god! Like a hot beverage or an alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic. I am really into hot chocolates right now. And so there's a new um, business. I'm name dropping y'all. I'm, I'm sorry, but do I got it. it. Yeah, so Wanderless Spirits, um, new organization. Um, well, not organization, it's just business. Um, but her name is Amber. 
and she customizes um, drinks. And so she has been doing all of these different events with me and um, she has been a bartender for a very long time. And so she's actually going to be doing um, a couple of like hot cocoa drinks for me for my hat, like for our families and stuff like that. But she is really good. And so um, really, yeah, just really good. Like she had made these custom drinks for a birthday party that I hosted and it was just ridiculous. Like, yeah, so I'm into hot cocos right now. And so she's been mixing up some stuff and I'm like, yes, please. And thank you. <laughs> I'll have to get that link from you later because yeah, I yeah. want to know where yeah. to find her. Yes, Same. yes. You should be able to find her on Facebook, but I will. Um, and it's Wanderless. Okay. W-A-N-D-E-R-L-E-S-S? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to look right now. Wanderless. We're like, okay, give me that. So yeah, like, funny <laughs> thing is like I kept typing in Wanderless, but it's Wanderless. And I didn't realize that it was Wanderless. And so, um, and it's on Facebook. No worries. I will, okay. um, I yeah. will send that. Like, I know, we're all like, absolutely. Now. We're like, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the last question you have is what's your favorite PBS show? Mm. You know what? I say Sesame Street. I oh. go back to that one every single time. I do actually do a lot of trainings around, um, one of their series, which is called um, Little People, Big Problems and kids dealing with homelessness or um, divorce or um, their parents being incarcerated. And like watching this whole series is just amazing. And I we cry every single time I show it. And, you know, we talk about what we can do as educators and make a difference in the world. So and no matter where you are or if you're still in the classroom, you can still make a really big impact. Absolutely. In people's lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have been so overjoyed getting to actually get you on the podcast today. Thank you Thank for coming. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing all that you continue to do and to getting that article in yes. the magazine. Oh, my word. This is so phenomenal. I thank you guys so much for um, partnering with me on this and just making um, making true memories for people you know I think when you write something it's like a way to sketch something in history so that you'll never be forgotten or your legacy be forgotten and um, that's what I hope um, that we do on the 19th um, at the Montvale 6 p.m. is to take that time to say we appreciate you we love you we see you and this community would be nothing without your works and sacrifice that you made